welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. And we're part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. I'm Samantha Hees, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Indy Randella. Oh, I'm fabulous You're today. You're fabulous today. It's true. I'm wearing a lot of sequins. <laughs> I hope they don't come through on the sound for the podcast. So how are you, Indy? I'm doing all right. Hopefully I'll get my own country to rule soon enough after I discover I'm a secret royal. Yeah. How about you? I'm good. It's really smoky here, so I uh, don't feel great, but uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, I think the last time we were podcasting, we were saying this is the hottest this city has (laughs) ever been, and it was. Since then, we've had the coldest day that it has ever been in that time in history as well. So we hit record highs and record lows in the same two weeks. So that's alarming. That is alarming and I don't like it. And now there are fires all around us. Well, not near, near, but uh, the smoke is blowing in and blotting out the sun. So it's a little apocalyptic, but most of this year has been a little apocalyptic. Exactly. So that's fine. It's uh, It's a whole new world, but not in the fun Disney princess sort of way. No, no, there's no flying carpets here. Only airborne carcinogens. Oh. So this week is a little bit different. We've skipped the pre-episode for our movie and um, have decided to just charge on and do the sequel of what we did last week, which was The Princess Diaries. So this week we are talking about The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. Yes, not The Royal Wedding, as which I is think what we I said, said last, last week. Time. Yeah. And also not The Royal Engagement. It's just Princess Diaries 2, Royal, Royal Engagement. Engagement. Yeah. So this is from 2004. It was written by Shonda Rhimes, which is, um, she's a big deal. I don't think she was such a big deal in 2004, but now she is very much um, kind of everywhere and has all the shows. So, And it, she is not well known for her light fun princess stuff. No, she's known for her like drama and murder and like really dark kind of plots. I haven't seen most of that stuff, but I think maybe she has found her niche because, oh, little spoiler <laughs> on my opinion, I don't know that uh, this is uh, exactly her wheelhouse. Oh, no. <laughs> but we are going to talk about all sorts of wonderful things in the kingdom of Genovia. But first, let's talk about our sponsor in the kingdom here of Edmonton and all the wonderful things they do for us. And that is the Edmonton Community Foundation. So this is a little foundation that acts as a bridge between donors and charities. And they're trying to create a strong and vibrant community for not just us, but many generations to come afterwards. And they have a cool thing where you can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group. And once it reaches $10,000, you can start distributing funds. So, uh, of course, we want to plug them for all the help they're doing for us and the community. But also, if you want to start one of those for us, like for for Samantha and I. For like the I Love This You Should Too endowment. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we would appreciate that. Yeah, we'd like some endowment. 
And the Edmonton Community Foundation is working in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council, and they're trying to measure and see how the community is doing, how to address things in our communities, much like a young Mia Thermopolis did mm-hmm. as she found all those orphans on the street and gave them a castle. Yeah. So this is Edmonton's equivalent of giving orphans a castle. Perfect. And uh, right now, our metaphorical orphans are millennials. So they're focusing on millennials because they are chronically underpaid, I would say. Mm-hmm. Because we know about that. <laughs> we do know all about that, being millennials. <laughs> and if you want to find out more about all the good work they're doing, you can go to ecfoundation.org. Perfect. Well, let's go get that money. Yeah. Fellow or... millennial. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they talk. Yeah. Hello, fellow millennial. Hello. <laughs> but let's get into Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. So you loved the first one as a kid. You still loved it now, although maybe you see some flaws, but yeah. still you're going to love it. Yeah. Now part two. When you had seen them, which did you like better when you were a kid who was watching them for the first time? Um. So this can be kind of a bad answer, but they're so different that I think that I like them both equally. But yeah, I guess they are. I think quite they're different. very different movies. They are. This one is definitely more big budget and like kind of they go all out for it, whereas the other one was a little bit less budgety. A little less budgety, huh? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my life. <laughs> As a millennial. As a millennial. <laughs> um, so I think now seeing this as like a 33 year old millennial i uh can see some of the like the flaws with it but overall i think that this movie holds up and it was a really fun time to watch how about now do you have a preference between one or two i think i like two better because it kind of did some of the things that we talked about last episode like not going far enough and not going all out and they did a really good job of like reprising some of the jokes from the first movie so i think that i like the second movie because it is a little bit more on the funny side and also um like really pays homage to the first movie so indy i loved this movie did you not really (laughs) like i don't actually think it's a good movie i did enjoy watching it though Mm -hmm. and i think that's what you can hope for i don't think you were really expecting i was gonna love this movie but i did actually like it better than the first one And I did read a couple of reviews, or less reviews, and more just people giving their opinions Mm -hmm. on the internet. There weren't any professionals that I read. And I also talked to a few people who were big Princess Diaries fans. And it seems that the vast majority prefer one to two. Really? And I, yeah, I disagree. But I guess I'm not coming from all of the books. Because I think the first movie was Based on the first book, while yes. this is kind of a standalone new thing, just yeah, using the characters. It, it uses the storyline and the characters, but isn't actually based on any of the books, of which I'm listening to right now. <laughs> oh, how are you liking your little revisit? Um, I'm on book four now, and it's the first book that isn't narrated by Anne Hathaway, oh. and I'm having trouble making the transition. So we'll see if I keep going. But I do think this was better or at least more enjoyable than the first one 
I think this one does more in its messaging than mm-hmm. the first one, or at least in messaging that I agree with. And a lot of the things that we complained about, like you were saying, have kind of been addressed in this one. Yes. And I think that they are making the characters bigger. The comedic moments are a little more in your face. Mm-hmm. And that could be too much in lots of movies, but this is a silly movie. So you want to like have those fun moments and you want it to be like larger than life. Yes. And at least in this one, uh, the princess is on the right side of moral dilemmas, and they do some more highlighting of friendships. And of course, I'm still against like monarchies in general, but Princess Mia or Queen Mia seems to be a good monarch, at least. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things were not the case in the first movie. Like, they were wrong <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. And characters were bad, but portrayed to be heroic. Right. But you just kind of hated them, or at least I did. In this one, perhaps it doesn't go far enough. It's not like abolishing the monarchy or yeah. anything. But they do take steps in the right direction. Right. At least friends in this movie can be friends. They're not terrible to each other. So there's things like that that make it a lot easier to like than the first movie. Have you read all of the books ever? Yes, I read them all like when they were coming out. So in the last one, doesn't she... A spoiler for the last Princess Diaries This might book. be a spoiler for me because it's probably been since like the moment it came out that I read it. Do you want to hear? Yes. I believe she does abolish the monarchy and turn it into a parliamentary system. (laughs) And that, you know, of course, I'm on board with. (laughs) You are a fan of the parliamentary system. Well. Over monarchy. Over more, of course, yes. (laughs) Sorry, I should have have added that. (laughs) So I think this film definitely benefits from the fact that... um, Mia's older, she's got some life experience, Um, but they did write her in kind of the same way that she was written, like the clumsy kind of not always doing the right thing kind of character. And I think that's what kept her very lovable and very like similar to the original material. It's weird because she's similar to the part one version in many ways, but different in others and it's of course she's going to grow and change Mm -hmm. but i did find the growth of her character a little confusing at times Mm -hmm. so she's the same in many ways but when she sees the palace and everything it's like the first time she's ever been there but clearly she would have been there in the last five years you'd think yeah and she's also like materialistic in a way she never was before. Right. Like when she sees all the jewelry and shoes and dresses, she's she goes crazy for that. Mm-hmm. But part one Mia would not have. No. Part one Mia was kind of actively against that. And especially the book Mia. But that we don't need to get into. <laughs> and she's not really skeptical of things anymore. Right. She's fully in on everything. And I guess that is something that she could have grown into, but... That seemed to be a central part of her character, Mm -hmm. and uh, that is a little bit gone now. I agree with you um, that some things that kind of made her her kind of went away, but I think it was helpful to move the plot forward because the, the central problem of her needing to be married in order to take the throne wouldn't have worked with her you know being like i don't want to be a princess i don't want all of the things that come with being a princess i think that like 
this is dumb and that I don't want to do it. No, but I don't think she was ever that far, but she could have very much been against the order of her having to be married. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's a whole different movie. If she's like, no, I'm against this. I can be my own queen. I don't need a husband. And then she falls in love against her will, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, a fine plot, but not the plot of this movie. So I don't think she needs to be just against everything. But she is definitely approaching this whole life and this world in a different way. Yes, but I think it's because she's, like, decided that, okay, this is my life. True, true. I'm going to do this for my father and for my grandfather and for the people of Genovia. And so she's really trying to be kind of like a people pleaser because she says, okay, I'll marry this Andrew Lord Jacoby or whatever his name is. And... I will do what I have to do in order to make sure that the future of Genovia is, like, secure. And then she realizes that she can stand up for herself and that she can, like... Like she does at the end of the movie when she makes a speech about not forcing their daughters to do the same thing they were forcing her to do. And I liked that kind of ending where she really, truly kind of becomes a ruler because she stands up for herself. Oh, that's the the best part of this because... This is a, an aspirational figure for, for young girls primarily, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of her choices in the first movie, you'd be like, is that a good role yeah, model? She's but here she clearly is. She's become better. And I know this isn't going to be like an extremely multidimensional film. No. But <laughs> if you have just a couple, one dimension to go on of a character, if she is the hero like Mia is... Why not make it a virtuous one? So I'm Mm -hmm. glad that they've done that in this one. Yes. And like what you were saying, I think that was one of my favorite choices is that there's the very typical plot line of like, you have to get married in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. And that we've seen in all sorts of things and we are ready for it. But what I liked about this, it wasn't the typical plot of her railing against that. Mm -hmm. It was her resigning herself Mm -hmm. to this idea very quickly and Mm -hmm. saying like this is what needs to be done for the country the country's needs are greater than my own yeah and sure you could uh, pick that apart and say like well it's what kind of a message is that but it's a strong choice by a strong strong character yes which is something we didn't always have in the past so i really appreciated that Mm -hmm. and i thought that that got us away from a lot of typical stuff that we've seen many times and you just kind of have to get through to get mm-hmm. to the good stuff of the of the movie. Yes. We just skipped all over that and that was a lot of fun. I also like that there wasn't one guy that she had to marry. Like right. she got to choose and then she ended up not marrying him. But she had that choice in the moment of saying like, here's 25 guys. Which one do you think? And that was nice because usually it's like the princess has to marry this specific prince. Yeah, and he's always the worst yeah, ever. And, he's and then evil. that's what makes the yeah. other guy look good in comparison. Yeah. So that brings us to the character of Andrew, who I think is very interesting. Like he's not an interesting character, clearly. <laughs> he's kind of yeah. meant to be like a middle of the road nice guy. Yeah. But that is a very interesting choice because this is the person that she kind of has to marry against her will. Yes. Not exactly forced into it, but no. essentially forced into it. It's so an she arranged has marriage. Some say but not fully, yes. right? And 
typically in a movie, this guy would be the worst person ever. You'd show him cheating on her Mm -hmm. or things like that. So we know that he's bad. And now we have to cheer for the other Mm -hmm. love interest. That's not what we get here. Like, I like that they didn't make Andrew that bad of a guy. And avoiding that choice makes it really interesting because Andrew is like a good and loyal person. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's a really interesting choice that this movie makes that both of them are all about loyalty over anything else. So even when Andrew discovers that she's been with um, whatever Chris Pine's character's name is, Nicholas Devereaux, even when Andrew discovers that he says like, I, yes, that's bad, but you know what? We're going to move on for the good of our two countries. Mm-hmm. He seems to be like a really good guy and really comparable to to mm-hmm. Mia in this way. Yeah, he seemed like if Nicholas wasn't a factor, he would have actually probably been a very good like co-monarch. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Of course, again, this would just be a completely different movie. Yeah. But <laughs> what I would have loved is if this is the plot... And then she gets swept off her feet by some guy who comes in. But then she ends up going back to Andrew and like mm-hmm. realizing that like, yeah, we were forced into this kind of. But those traits that made you go along with this and me, those are also traits that are a great foundation for a marriage. Yes. That would have been really interesting. But that's, again, a whole different movie. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, though, like getting put into a arranged marriage yeah. and thinking it's going to be terrible, seeing this romantic per- person that comes yes. along but and then realizing... has no stability. And then you realize, like, you know what? I actually had something really good yeah. there. Not the movie, though. <laughs> no, no. But that would be fun. But it is an interesting choice that they made him a, a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he gets together with Nicholas's girlfriend at the end? Yes, uh, Lady Alyssa. Because they're both, like, just nice people. Yeah. Yeah, and they go off and they have a, a nice time, I assume. I think so, because then Andrew, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I liked him. He um was very clearly brought up for, like, that specific reason. Like, you can tell that he, like, was meant to marry someone royal. So then let's talk about the main love interest. It's uh, Chris Pine playing Nicholas Devereaux in his uh, feature film debut, or at least big movie he may have done some small stuff before that like Anne Hathaway in the first one the series really launched two very big names it did and I think that's kind of neat that this like these Disney movies were very much like the start of two huge careers well I think if you go back Disney really started a lot of careers because they have so many young talents throughout their system yeah all their children's programming really launches a lot of careers for future actors so Nicholas is the nephew of Viscount Mabry, who is the villain of the movie. Jonathan Rhys Davies. Yes, and he who's does... like just just chewing the scenery, twirling his mustache. Oh my God, he's just he's going so for it. So good though. Like he did a very good job of being evil in a movie that doesn't have a lot of bad stuff in it mm-hmm. right like it's very it's a disney movie right so we're not gonna have like a true bond villain or anything but um viscount mabry thinks that nicholas Devereux is the next heir to the throne and not mia right and he brings that up and everyone's like oh, okay cool Mm-hmm. Nobody fights it. Nobody says where. Why did been. they not know about him? Then? Yeah, it's not like his birth was a secret. No, I feel like also I feel like royal family trees are very like Known? well documented. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> 
And then also they go to do, to the parliament and say like, hey, he's going to be king now. And they're like, uh, let's give her two years. No, one year. No, a week. Days. How about 30 days? Oh, okay, 30 days. <laughs> that's that's how their parliamentary yeah. system works? Yeah. Oh, that country is going to be in shambles. Yeah. Well, no, they have Mia now to... Yeah, but she doesn't do all the lawmaking day to day. If there's no. like a new trade agreement comes in, they're like, all right, let's, um, yeah, let's ratify this. No, I want to reject it. How about we do 20% of it? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> That's not how the world works. You can't Ten do that. days. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll do a free trade agreement for 30 days. <laughs> See how it goes. But back to Chris Pine. Yes. So I did cut some stuff from our last episode because you went on about the Chris's for quite some time <laughs> and we kind of got away from yes. it. We, I kept a little bit of it in. But one of the things you mentioned is that in your book club, yes. who I'm guessing are all females in their 30s, yes, they choose Chris Pine unequivocally as the best of I the Chris's. I believe so, yes. And that is the consensus. yes. I don't get it. Please explain to me. Um, I don't know why. I I like Hemsworth, too. Okay. But, um, I don't know. I think he seems more down to earth, maybe? Yeah, so He's everything... like an accessible attractive, not like so attractive. He's that, not the like, god of thunder. Yeah, like he's like so unaccessible to you. Like, whereas Chris Pine kind of looks like a guy you might meet at the pub. Okay, I could understand that. He looks less... Out of this world, which is not a bad thing. Like, right, he's right. still very attractive, but it, he's not like the god of thunder. The god of thunder. There you go. Right. <laughs> I guess maybe that's it. Because I've talked to a few people in the last few days as well, and it seems like women in their thirties, who are most of the people mm -hmm. that I know, really, <laughs> um, they all really love Chris Pine, and I have nothing against him. I don't think he's bad in anything. But then I, when I ask why. I got a, a few different responses of people saying, oh, well, he's really good to women. And I said, what are you basing that on? And they just go, just look at him. <laughs> so I think maybe he has done great things and he's like a super nice guy. I don't know that he, that's not the case. But nobody could explain to me outside of just having a feeling of him being very good. Hmm. So if you out there are a big Chris Pine fan, let us know why. I'm not saying he's bad or anything. I just don't quite get it. Because even you, when you mentioned that all of your book club friends like him the best, I said, why? And then you said, did you ever see him in that sweater? And I said, no. But <laughs> So it's just kind of like a general aura he has, which yeah. I think I'm not privy to. Yeah, maybe. Because I know him as Captain Kirk, and he was like a womanizing asshole there. And then I saw the first Wonder Woman movie, and... I think he was nice, but I thought the movie was just all right. And I think he might now be coming to the Marvel Universe because he might be playing Cyclops in the future. Huh. And Cyclops is a dick, too. Right. So he kind of plays dicks in my experience, but I guess there's something about him that's very cuddly. Very cuddly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm having trouble coming up with reasons of why he's the best Chris, but he's the best Chris. So you might not be in the majority of this, but in this movie... Is he good? I think once he stops listening to his uncle, I think he's good. Yeah, I guess his character does turn out to be like a nice guy. True. Yes. But is his performance in this good? I think it's good, but shaky. 
Okay, go on. I think that um, this, and I looked up his Wikipedia profile, and this was his feature film debut. So he had some growing to do, I think, Mm -hmm. as an actor. Into his hair. (laughs) Into his hair. Um, (laughs) It was ridiculous. It was very big. Um, I wrote down (laughs) that he looked like the lead marionette from the Team America World Police. Oh. (laughs) He totally does have that hair. Okay, you're right. Again, I don't think he was bad in this movie, but... I don't think he brought anything that pretty much every generic kind of handsome guy could have done. Mm-hmm. And he may be great now. I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. But in this, so many people said like, oh, but wait till you see Chris Pine in that movie. And I was like, oh, okay, he's going to be great. And I'm not above like being charmed or thinking a man is really handsome. But I didn't really get it in this one. Oh, okay. I thought he was handsome and charming. Really? Yeah. See, that always worries me because then you also think I'm handsome. And charming. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Hmm. See, again, I think you have low standards. No. Neither of us are that great. I don't have low standards. (laughs) You have odd standards. I think you and Chris Pine are equally charming and handsome. I will absolutely take that, (laughs) but I disagree. And also, I don't think he was handsome nor charming in this one. Oh, okay. I think he grew into his face. And hair. Everyone has to. Not everyone does. <laughs> he has, though. Conan O'Brien's still going. Hmm. True. He's like super tall, still hasn't grown into his head. Small head, yeah. No, giant head. Giant head? Yeah, it's huge. Small face, big hair. Big hair, big head. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyways. You'll get there, Conan. <laughs> I don't think you will. <laughs> so... We both think he kind of grows into a nice guy, but he's like a jerk for no reason before that. Yeah, I think it's before he realizes that Mia can actually like do the job. But I thought he's driven out of fulfilling the wishes of his uncle and apparently his father. Yeah. But the way he goes about it, it's not like a man who's determined to do the right thing for the country Mm -hmm. it's just like a dick who's trying to screw with someone yeah and i know that's kind of just a central conceit of these movies where someone's going to be a jerk and then you have to fall for them it's like the love hate thing i i hate the trope i think it rarely works but i don't think it worked here because i don't feel like they had anything like that spark and again, a lot of people disagree with me. They're like, oh, but they were so good together on screen. I didn't see those scenes. Oh, see, I thought they were. Tell me about that. Um, I think that they just worked really well. Like, the chemistry was there for me. In which scenes? Um, Like, the archery scene. I was going to say, <laughs> there's a scene where he says, just pull and release. And then she goes, oh, and they both just look at each other. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's the moment. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like anything actually happened with their characters or their performances. I feel like we just, we as an audience just pick up on the cue of this means now they are in love. I don't think anything actually happened in those characters. Mm. And I feel like she falls for him based on things that the audience saw and things that happened in the movie, but not things that she ever witnessed herself. Because we do get to see a little bit more of his character and realize that he's not a bad guy. He's just going along with what his uncle is saying. She's not aware of any of that. She just sees all the terrible things he does to her. 
but still falls in love with him. And I think it's based on the collective goodwill he's built in the film, but not towards her. He hasn't done anything good towards her. He's only been there to ruin her day every time he's been around. But yet she still sees the good in him based on things that she wasn't in the room for. But because the audience is aware of it, we feel like, oh yeah, this is deserving and it's due now that they fall in love. Right. I see what you're saying. I think it could have been a more fun thing if they were kind of like a competitive couple almost because they're both vying for the the same throne throne, right so if they were constantly like one-upping each other rather than just him coming around every now and then and like being mean and someone falling in a a fountain if they were constantly trying to outdo the other one Mm -hmm. i could more easily see that competition transitioning into romance than just somebody essentially bullying someone and then that transitioning into romance. Because right. the few things we know about Mia and romance is that she thought this bully... Oh, it makes sense. She loves bullies, remember? Yeah. Oh, she just has self-esteem issues and feels like she needs to be bullied. Yeah, she's a type. Oh. I don't think that's intentional, but I think that makes sense. It does make sense now that you point that out. <laughs> because there was like the nice guy who has the same end goals as she does who she's not into but this guy comes along and is just a dick and she's totally into it weird Hmm. now i'm gonna have to rethink this movie (laughs) another thing so he is kind of next in line for the throne if she can't fulfill the not being a single woman yeah so doesn't that mean they're closely related it sounds like this is like a different branch of a very ancient king's family. Okay. I like, wasn't I, clear on it that. It doesn't seem like I haven't seen a family tree, but it sounded like he was going way back to some like old, old king that might have had a brother. Oh, all I remember hearing was when he said, Oh, yeah, but he's my wife's sister's son. And everyone goes, Oh, okay. I thought that was the case. I might be wrong because a lot of that I didn't pay as close attention to. But it yeah. seems like if they're both the two who are next in line, and we do have that different bloodline of yes. those barons, and since they're not even being considered, I feel like this has to be in the same bloodline. Because if they were going different, they have those barons already, the baron yes. and the baroness. So doesn't this have to be in the same bloodline based on uh, Genovian rules? I'm choosing to believe that this is like a brother of a former king who, you know, had his own family. And this is like the next closely related person, but not like. So they're like second cousins. Or fifth cousins. But they are cousins. Yeah, I think so. Man, I shouldn't have said all those things about Chris Pine. People are going to be so angry at me. I had no idea he was so well loved until this week. Yeah. I had no idea. Again, nothing wrong with him, but I just, I don't know. Like Chris Pine, is he that great? Yeah, he's that great. I don't see. What did he, what movie was he in where he's great? All of them. Okay. <laughs> While we're talking about the potential cousins ruling Genovia, mm-hmm. how does this country work? What language do they speak? All of them. English, Spanish, French and Italian yeah. for my that's a little odd but and also their accents like in parliament everyone has a different accent yes so they're meant to be like a UN 
of a country. Kind of, Everybody's yeah. from other places. Mm-hmm. So were they all displaced? Or do people move here for, like, I don't know, business? <laughs> it doesn't seem like Genovia has gotten out of the 1820s. <laughs> Right? It seems like a very um, agricultural country. There's like yeah. little villages. And crops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crops. There's some crops. All of the buildings seem to be like half scale or something. They don't really seem full size. It's very storybook. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think that's the point. But I think like it is also literally too small. <laughs> like the doors seem to be like five feet high. I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like where uh, Belle is from in Beauty and the Beast. Mm, yes. Right? It's yeah. just a it's very provincial. quaint provincial town. Yeah. But the entire country is a quaint provincial town. Yes. I okay. think it is like the size of a city. I don't think it's much bigger than that. Right. Maybe it's like, some, like outfields. I think they were trying to go for like a Monaco for it, but it seems much more... Quaint. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's something like a Andorra or a Liechtenstein, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's not as glamorous as Monaco. No, no. Except the like the all the royal buildings. Yeah, Those they look pretty glamorous. glamorous. Yeah. But I was saying like the race cars and the, the right. casinos and the film festivals. I think everything. there's no casinos in Genovia. No, it's it's illegal. I don't actually know if it's illegal, but Probably. Probably. It seems Under like very, punishment of beheading. Seems like a very wholesome place. Aldovia? Or Aldovia is Christmas Prince? Aldovia is Christmas Prince. What about Sokovia? I don't know what Sokovia I think is. Sokovia is, is Avengers. Like... Oh, okay. That's where Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are from. I was going to say, is that some kind of like affliction? <laughs> really bad Sokovia. Oh, man. My Sokovia's acting up again. Yeah. What about Cordovia? That's where... The prince in Bojack Horseman is from. There's Cordovia. A prince in Bojack Horseman? Yeah, the prince of Cordovia. Oh. I or didn't... Sokovia, or Eldovia, or Genovia. One of those. Now I'm confused. Uh, but one other thing about this one, I made a point of bringing up how the three people of color were cut from the first movie who were in the book. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they made a lot more people of color in it. Like, about 33% of Sokovia is black. No, Genovia. Genovia. Of Genovia <laughs> is black. Which you're like, oh, cool. How many of them speak? I don't remember. Zero. But I bet you're going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of them speak. Unless you... Uh, Except for Raven Simone. Unless you count Raven Simone, who is a princess from Africa. <laughs> That's <laughs> another case where Africa is just like... A nebulous country. Yes. It's not in, it doesn't have specific countries within it. It's just like, yeah, Africa. Yeah. And she's wearing like a Halloween costume version of what an actual African person would wear. And that's a little, eh, but you know, whatever. You're just looking at me like, <laughs> get on with it. No. I'm, it's racist. We know. Move I'm on. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm absorbing. Um, I liked Raven Simone in this movie. Um, cause Why? She, I don't know. She seemed fun. She was like kind of a new vein of Mia's world of having like friends who were also royals. 
All of her princess friends. All of her princess friends. Which we have to talk about the princess slumber party. Yes. But let's talk about Raven first, that she's just this generic African princess. Sometimes she has an accent. But yeah, she she's doesn't like have many lines at all. Vaguely British. I think she was going for an African country, but she couldn't hit it, so it just reads as generic. Yeah. But it, or maybe that's what she was told to do because I don't think she's supposed to be any specific country. No, right? she's she's just from there. Yeah. Just as Genovia is generic Europe, mm-hmm. she is generic Africa. Yes. So I like that you get a feeling that Mia has this new part of her life that she didn't have in the first movie where she has friends who have the same kind of like problems and like situations that she can kind of um like hang out with who kind of understand what she's going through um and uh i also thought she was kind of fun during the slumber party scene let's talk slumber party do you want to hear a very shocking thing what Loved it. Me too. It was the moment where things got as big as they were going to get during the movie. This movie is for like 10-year-old girls to watch at slumber parties and have fun. Yeah. Why wouldn't you lean into that? Like in the first one, they made all sorts of choices where I was like, what is the target for these things? Yeah. This one knows a little bit better and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's silly and did we need Julie Andrews to surf down that thing? Probably not, but it's fine. It's big. It's funny and you're going to have a good time when you're watching it with a group of your friends having a slumber party of your own and you're going to try to reenact that on your stairs and you're going to break your leg and you're going to be like, well, Julie Andrews did it and your mom's going to be like, well, she's Mary Poppins and she can fly. I can totally imagine this conversation happening (laughs) at, like, your brother's house (laughs) with the girls. (laughs) I like that uh, she did say, like, oh, I don't slide much. I'm much more of a flyer or something like that, right? And I think that's a little Mary Poppins reference. Yes. That was fun. It was cute. And it was nice to see Julie Andrews um, in, like, a fun role. And singing. And singing, which is great. And you'd think that me, being the personality and the critic that I am, I'd be like, why are they singing now? Of course they should sing now. It's a fun sleepover movie. Yes, you should have a song. Yes. What I do think is, why was Raven Simone singing? Yeah, why wasn't Anne Hathaway singing? But I think this is before she had kind of like sung in movies. True, but she can sing. She sings like two lines in this. Just one, yeah. Okay, and it's great. It is great. It's better than Raven Simone. But Raven Simone, I think, is only here so she could be in the trailer. And because she was a big, like, Disney Channel star at this time. Yes. So that's why she's put in here. And they're like, come watch this movie. Raven Simone sings. And I didn't realize that she was such, like, a a huge star at the time. Because Mm -hmm. to me, she's uh, Olivia always. From the Cosby show. Oh, yes. No, she had her show, That's So Raven. Yeah. And I think this was at the peak of that. And they gave her a song instead of Anne Hathaway with Julie Andrews, which seemed strange. You either let Julie Andrews sing yeah. or you make it the two of yeah. them because and this it's is, their story. This movie is the first time Julie Andrews had sung in public or on screen since she had throat surgery in 1997. Right. Which is why she's not classic Julie Andrews. Sure. But that throat surgery like fucked up her vocal cords. And I never thought she was bad or anything. No. I think the song's not great, but No, it's whatever. not a great song. 
It should have just been uh, her and Anne Hathaway, though. It should have. I would have loved that, and that would have been wonderful. Why was Lily there? And not just, like, there at this party, in this movie. As a throwback? I guess. That's the only, like, reason I can kind of see her being in this movie. Is like she a, adds nothing yeah, to the plot. she's a throwback to the previous movie. And same with her mom, right? Like... Right, and they hardly even brought her mom into the movie no, at all. She, was she in appears the movie. like in the last minute to and go to the wedding. And she's in like the first two minutes. Yeah, I had forgotten all about the mom, and yes. then when she appears, like, "Hey, look, I made it." I was like, "Oh yeah, why weren't you here this whole time?" I'd be like, "Your I need daughter my mom. was going through some shit. Yeah, you should have been there. She's I'd, getting married." I'd be on the phone and be like, "Mom, I have to get married in thirty days," and I think my mom would be like, "I'll be there as soon as I can get a flight. Let's let's work this out." I guess she was busy having a baby. Right, she was pregnant, yeah. and then she had a newborn baby, Trevor. Trevor was the baby's name. Is uh, yeah, baby's That's a funny name Trevor. for a baby. So my baby Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be the name of the baby from the books, because in the second, third, and fourth book, the mom is pregnant with the algebra teacher's baby. Algebra debate. He's a debate teacher in the movie. In that school, they just teach everything in one room from yeah. one teacher anyway, so it's <laughs> probably fine. Big tuba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lily was uh, less annoying in this one, mm-hmm. but she was also less opinionated. And I guess that's not like what her character was, but I do like that they're actually friends in this. Because, like I always say, there's just not enough female friendships that are not competitive in yes. in film. So I like that they had that. But then you're also like, why is she here? Mm-hmm. Also, Lily should be gay, right? Yeah. She has a lot of gay coding going on. And uh, they should have just gone with that. Instead of bringing that guy who just yells. Like the American oh. guy. And they always talk about, oh, Americans. Half of them are, have American accents, yes, so I don't know do. what they're talking about. <laughs> the uh, captain of the guard. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, like, from Kentucky or something, by the way he sounds. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why she would like him either. Yeah. Nothing about He's her character loud. seems to go with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that because, yeah, Lily is still a bit of a throwaway character, but I like her better this movie. Yeah, she does much less, but she's less annoying. Maybe that's why we like her better. Yeah. It's very of the time, their acceptance of that one gay prince. Yeah. That is kind of like the way they do it. They don't go as far as making like a character in the movie gay because it's still Disney and it's still 2004. But they're like, yeah, it's cool to be gay. Number one, thumbs up. So it's just like (laughs) kind of like a approval in passing they're like we don't really want to talk about it we're still disney but hey good for you yes yeah it's kind of like of the time yeah it's not progressive of its time yes it's not like ultra progressive like we are now oh yeah we're so progressive now with all of those gay characters we have in movies like um huh i'll get back to you (laughs) okay great I feel like we should probably talk about um, Queen Clarice and her bodyguard, Joe. My boy, Hector Elizondo. I really like this side story. I think that it's very sweet and speaks to the fact that both of these characters are kind of, they're kind of going into retirement Mm -hmm. and he's spent his life devoted to her and now he wants to like live his life openly with her. Yeah, it was sweet. I'm glad that Joe gets his happy ending. Yes. And I love that they get married 
instead of Mia. Yeah, that was kind of, like, of course, ridiculous yes, because of the movie. It, it's so over the but top. But it's, uh, it's pretty funny that they're like, hey, we're not getting married. You want him? Like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. <laughs> and how uh, the queen just goes like, hey, you know, um, I wouldn't have any sort of relationship with you in the past. Want to get married now? And he's like, yeah, I'm game. Let's do it. <laughs> I think it's at the point where they've spent so much time together that it almost feels like they have a relationship. Definitely, yeah. And I think that there's more behind the scenes that we don't see. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, they were banging every night. <laughs> I do not wish to think of lovely Julie Andrews as banging <laughs> her bodyguard. Well, she was. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to think that... In the first movie, I kind of had this idea of uh, Joe having this whole family at home, like a wife and like four kids who kind of huddled around their table in Eldovia, just kind of waiting. Genovia. Uh, Genovia. (laughs) When's Papa going to be home? Are they like devil children? They're just British. (laughs) Oh, okay. Which, as a child, makes you seem spooky to uh, (laughs) people with our accent. Yeah, (laughs) it's a spooky child. Mommy, is Papa going to sleep? I want him to sleep forever. Oh, God. <laughs> but anyways, he has his family at home who just, like, misses him. And then this time he has to come home and be like, well, uh, kids, I, um, I'm married now. I'm uh, married to the queen. Uh, you're never going to see me again. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's kind of sad because Joe's family isn't at the wedding. I assume he has some family. He, it's true. Very true. Or maybe he was just raised in a line of people whose job is nothing more than to care for the queen. Maybe Security. they are taken away from their families. <gasps> yeah. That's probably what they do in Genovia. No, that sounds scary. Yeah. Genovia? There's a lot going on behind the scenes in <laughs> Genovia. They have no functioning government. <laughs> I totally believe that they have a like clan of people that they just take out of some peasant's place and they make them work in the royal guard or whatever it is they're doing because there's a lot of strange things going on with their security systems there is who's that guy what guy who looks like the boy who played keyboards with m&ms but now he's gone to university and got really into the strokes and went to europe for one summer lionel yeah he looks like that other guy went to europe for a little bit he got streaks yeah why is that character in this movie? Comedic relief. Was he funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he was there to show that there is more, like, dimension to the royal guard. I don't know. It seems Isn't it Charlotte's nephew? Who's Charlotte? Charlotte's the one that you said you liked. Oh, like the assistant? Yeah. She's good. Yeah, she's really good. She doesn't have a nearly enough to do, but in the first movie and in this one, I think that might be Gary Marshall's daughter. Oh, really? I'm not sure about that. But anyway, she was great. I would have loved to have seen more of her. So instead of having Lionel, show me more of her. Yeah, she is Gary Marshall's daughter. Kathleen Marshall. Yeah, I like Charlotte. She was very... um like supportive and in the background and you could tell that she really cared about her job yeah like she really she this was her purpose this was the job for charlotte there was no other job for her but she uh does a very good job and you can tell that she knows everything she knows for this reason and uh it was kind of fun in the first movie to see her like 
during Mia's princess lessons, you could see her kind of in the background, like taking notes almost. She was great in that movie. I it, We didn't, I think, talk about no, her in didn't. the first movie, but she was like low-key one of my favorite characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yay, Charlotte. And I wanted to know more about her. Yeah, not Lionel. When he spoke for the first time, I think I said to you, like, he can't be the love interest. Why are we getting an introduction to him? <laughs> and I, I still don't know why. He never, like, it never paid off. No, it didn't. He was just kind of there. I think he helped out in the end, but it could have easily have been done by any sort of other plot contrivance. Very true. And there was, like, more guards than there was in the previous movie because they were in San Francisco. Right. So... I don't know. Because you have that guy who bangs the stick always. You have the guy who yells a lot. Like, why do we need to see this much about these guards? Maybe there's some sort of, like, cloning system going on. I'm not sure. <laughs> but there's like something going on in Genovia. Yeah. I don't think they're stormtroopers. There's something. No. Something's happening. I don't think Okay, so. then they're just stolen from their families and forced into this. No. I think so. No. Where's Joe's family? Joe doesn't have a family. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They perished in the Great War. Oh, against Eldovia. No. Uh, maybe. The Christmas Prince and Mia. <laughs> oh, I have an idea for a sequel. We'll get to it later. Okay. Perfect. I want you to think as well. I want to pitch sequels at the end of this, guy. Okay, sounds good. Other characters who don't really need to be there, but in this case I love, the maids. Oh, the maids were funny. What were their names again? Brigitte and Brigida. <laughs> their curtsy bow thing is like one of my favorites. And people hate them. Why? People who, I think Princess Diaries fans, and I do not view these movies in the same way, because they think they're not funny at all. They think they're annoying and they ruin it. I think they were legitimately hilarious, and I think their physical comedy was great. I think their timing was great. Mm-hmm. I think the idea that they have been choreographing these things like on their free time to do in front of her yeah. is very funny to me. Um, I think that, yeah, I think the the funny thing is that they are clearly trained to be ladies' maids, and they, like, take their job very seriously. And isn't it revealed that they're talented in all sorts of other ways? Because they play they, like, instruments or something? They sing a song, and they dance. They, like, and they're good. tap dance, and they do some, like, gymnastics. Yeah. And they, yeah, they sing the whole song, and, uh... You know what? It's... This kind of, uh goes in line with my thinking of people are stolen from their families and trained only to appease the royals. (laughs) Because why would just someone who is a maid, and like, of course, they have to have many talents, but they shouldn't need to know how to juggle and sing and play instruments. I think that's just like personal... I think they're being trained for the enjoyment of the royals. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But they were very funny. They were, and I enjoyed them... Like, covering for Mia. I enjoyed that, like, hide-and-seek game that they were kind of unknowingly playing with Mia. And uh, they're, like, dumb. Not dumb. Dumb's the wrong word. They don't seem that smart or capable of, they're, like... They're, like, clueless selectively, but yes, brilliant in other exactly. ways. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, like... Oh, it was a ghost. See, that too. Yeah. That was hilarious. I think they were maybe my favorite characters. Oh. Second favorite. Second who's, and third. Who's your first? That Louis. <laughs> my boy. What about Charlotte? Charlotte might have dropped a four in this one. <gasps> Her or Joe is four. There was a lot more Fat Louis in this movie. That's what I wanted, so. 
I'm happy. <laughs> You're happy? Four stars? For Bat Louie's performance. <laughs> one character who I really didn't like and just kind of came out of nowhere was that one reporter? Question mark? Elsie we, Kentworthy? I think so. We get introduced to her as the host of a cooking show. Uh, eggs with Elsie. I think it's a morning broadcast show. But doesn't she actually cook on the show in her kitchen? I think it's like a prop. I think it's like, because her clothesline is, may your eggs always be sunny side up. And she just like holds up a pan. If her clothing line is, may your eggs always be sunny side up, and she holds a pan always, doesn't that make it seem like she has a cooking show? It does. If your show has you cooking on it, I'm going to say that's a cooking show. I think it's just a bit. Of her cooking. No, I think it's just a bit that they use for the tagline. But the bit is her cooking. Yes? On her show? Yes. She cooks on the show. I guess, yes. But it's not a cooking show. No. It just happens to be a show where she cooks every now and then. Yeah. And always. (laughs) She just always cooks on it, but it's not a cooking show. Yes. Okay. I I would argue that that is what makes a cooking show a cooking show, but... I don't think she's making different things every morning. She makes eggs on the show every day. <laughs> okay, well, it's not let's a break cook- it down. It's not a cooking show. It's, it's just an just, egg show. It's her over coffee discussing royal gossip. Okay, I see what you're saying. Or like and Genovian gossip, and the, the, the line is... May your eggs always be sunny side up. And it's like she holds up a pan. That's probably like made of paint and plaster, not actual eggs. It's odd that this gossip show is invested so heavily in (laughs) eggs. It makes it seem like it's a cooking show. Yes. Maybe it's sponsored by eggs. I was about to say, like, you can't get sponsored by eggs, but you absolutely can. There's a billboard for turkey we can yeah. see. There's, an, I believe, an egg council of America. Oh, yeah. Like the milk board. Yeah. I have a cousin who used to work for the milk board in Alberta. Was it delicious? I don't know. I think he got free milk. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got milk to take home every week. Well, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to ask him. So you'd say working for the milk board involves milk. <laughs> yeah. So wouldn't a cooking show... It's not a cooking show. Wouldn't a show where you're constantly cooking be a cooking show? I don't think she's constantly cooking. But she cooks every day on it. I think she just holds up a pan with an egg in it. <laughs> okay. Anyways. That's like saying, I once touched orange juice, now I'm a juicer. <laughs> no, it would be like saying if every day when you said good morning to me, you were juicing an orange. And you're like, oh yeah, but I'm not like someone who juices oranges. That's not my bit. And it's like, but you constantly are doing it. And you're like, yeah, but that's just like a, a background thing to what I'm really into. And that's competitive chess. You don't notice that I'm always juicing an orange. But I'm thinking about chess. I'm like crying. (laughs) So she's a television personality is her job? Yes. Okay. And she's just got an egg sponsorship. Okay. You know what? That is conceivable. That she works for the Egg Council of Genovia. She has a sponsorship for them. It's sponsored egg content on her breakfast show <laughs> and her her contract says you have to crack open an egg and then hold it up to the camera and then along with that she also does like investigative journalism where she's like sneaking into places and stuff so. like that and also just like typical paparazzi stuff too. yeah 
She must be busy. She doesn't see her family. Oh, she was taken from her family and bred for this, is what you're saying. I think so. Interesting. Interesting. Like a stormtrooper. Yeah. No, I thought they were all clones. Right. Well, depending on which movie, the clone troopers were all clones, but then they get away from the cloning process and you can actually be like recruited and you, oh. like people go into it. Because Luke had talked about like people he knows like going into being stormtroopers. It's oh, a I thing. didn't know that. It's a viable... Uh, job option just like how in the u.s you can be like so poor and you can't like afford anything so you that's how they get people to go into the army it's the same with uh, right. <laughs> and uh genovian egg council workers yeah the genovian egg council workers like what's her name again elsie canterbury elsie canterbury is she scottish irish genovian i guess but oh, she's genovian her accent is she wears not. a lot of plaid i don't remember her accent but i i I think it was one of the two. I think it's Irish. And I can tell the accents apart when I hear them, but I don't remember what hers was. Yeah. My Irish friends are going to be so angry at me. I don't have any Scottish friends, though, so whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why was Stan Lee in this movie? <laughs> I forgot about that. I don't know. Hollywood? Yeah, but this is 2004, so it's not like those Marvel cameos were just a thing everyone knew about. Mm-hmm. And also, is there a lot of overlap with the people who know what Stanley looks like and the people who love Princess Diaries too? I don't think so. Yeah, weird choice, weird choice. I like that they brought back the It Happens All the Time guy from yeah. Pretty Woman <laughs> yes. and the first movie. Where she loses her bracelet at the beginning of the movie. I wrote down at the beginning of this in my notes that I'm glad they're not just using full songs as the score like they did in the first movie. Because yeah. in the first movie, they would put just Full songs with lyrics and everything underneath while people were talking. Yes. And you shouldn't usually no, do that. It's, it's a lot to it listen seemed, to. It didn't work. No. And I wrote down that I like that they didn't do that. And then they totally did that later on a bunch <laughs> of times. They lean hard into the music of the time. Yes. In both movies. They do. In this one is like, is this a fully in earnest Nora Jones song? Yeah. And sometimes they were so like on point. Not on point. So specific to what they were talking about that it almost seemed like a joke. Yeah. But no, they're just going for it. No, they just like music over talking. Under and, talking. Yeah. Around talking. <laughs> over top of. Yeah. And there were a few times where something would happen and then they would be like a break and then a song would just burst in and like essentially narrate the rest of the yeah. scene. So towards the end of the movie, now we're meant to like Chris Pine because... He admits that, like, no, I'm not the right one for this job. She is. And I liked that. I liked how it came about. Because you mm -hmm. do have to have a turn in him, right? Yes. And I think that it wasn't anything uh, big and far-fetched. It was just that he sees her character and believes that she'll do well. Yeah. It's very simple. And I think it's more earnest that way. And I it's, it felt... Pretty deserved. Although yeah. I don't think that the love story felt earned at all. I do feel like her convincing him that she can do the job, that did feel earned to me. Yes. And I think, yeah, that has to do with him kind of being at the palace and seeing her in action. Yeah. But there's so many of those palace moments I, that could have been so much more fun with the two of them. Mm -hmm. I get that they both fall in a fountain. Like I, I get that that is what fun is, apparently, but there's so many more options. You don't love falling options. in fountains? I think it was like Gene Siskel who said that if there's a comedy and you see a fountain, 
someone has to fall in. Right. It's just like a rule. And they definitely play to those rules in this one. Yeah. Those moments, like, I think they were pushed pretty hard to kind of remind you of who Mia was in the first movie. Yeah, but in these, it seemed more mean-spirited because he was often antagonizing her her or being the cause of it. And it wasn't her falling and being like, whoops. It was her falling and being angry that this guy is stealing her life from her. Mm -hmm. And when you like think about it from her point of view, and there is that one scene where she's saying like, just leave me alone. You're ruining my life. Yeah. It's, it's serious. It's much more dire than most of the movie lets on to. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I felt like that could have been more fun because there's, a lot of really silly stuff that's over the top, like Mary Poppins surfing a mattress. And then you have this woman who's crying because she really believes her country is going to be ruined. And there's a lot of dissonance there. And I'm not exactly sure how to navigate that more effectively, but I don't think they did particularly mm-hmm. well. So, Indy, you said you had a sequel to pitch. I think I might have two now. Oh, no. You get one. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you might want to hear both. <laughs> okay. So I think there's one that I want. Right. Of course, but it's not going to ever happen. So then I thought while we were talking, what is something that could actually happen as a sequel? Chris Pine is Cyclops. That would work. <laughs> that was mine was then they end up being in the MCU. Whoa. Yeah. So my first one that I think I could actually pitch to Disney, we pick it up years later, she now has two twin daughters. Mm-hmm. Let's say they're, I don't know, seven, eight, somewhere around right. there. One of them is a very prim and proper and loves all the royal things, loves tiaras. And the other is a uh, free spirit who loves playing in the mud and she loves art. But at this point, because Mia is a, a queen yeah. and she's busy all the time she doesn't spend nearly enough time with them so she doesn't even realize that these two are kind of like two halves of her but then there has to be something that happens where she's like forced to take a vacation or take a break or something comes up that they all have to go together and she takes them back to san francisco and to meet their grandmother and all of these things and in doing that they both learn that they are both her their mom They'd felt like this big gap between them. So now they realize like, wait, our mom does love us and we are just like her, but we are each one part of her. Right. And she teaches them that, yes, you are these things. And yes, you are yourselves. And yes, you are good enough. Then what I think they would really like is then after Princess Diaries 3, that's the movie I just described, we spin it into a series and it's those two and they're either getting into hijinks around the castle or they're going to different countries with their mom. But because it's like a Disney series now, maybe we don't have Anne Hathaway in all of them, but she appears every now and then. And it's about these two twins like getting into mischief and they're kind of an odd pairing, but they still love each other and they each bring something different to it. And they're getting into mischief all around the world. Hmm. See, that could work as a show. That could work as a show, actually. That sounds fun. Disney Channel show? Yeah. All right. What's your pitch? My pitch was that uh, we bring the Netflix Christmas movie universe into uh, 
the Genovian world as well because we have all these visiting princesses and stuff in her bridal shower scene, the sleepover. What if the queens and princesses from the Netflix movie universe are in with Genovia and they form some kind of like all-female UN between all these tiny little nations and they promote peacekeeping with their little countries so we see like military peacekeeping forces going and like helping out in sudan and stuff yeah because that's something from the book is that mia is very um like she's very into like greenpeace and like saving the whales and stuff like that so i feel like that could be like a fun kind of vein oh okay where it's like all women and they they form this like conglomerate basically Conglomerate makes it sound a little scary, but I'm like, okay, you. okay, maybe conglomerate's the union. wrong word, but union, yeah, like like a f- all female UN where they go out and do good deeds, like a superhero team. with their powers, yeah. Oh, they have superpowers. No, 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 no. I meant with the power that they have as monarchs. Oh, the power of the money that they take from their people. <laughs> now you're making it sound bad. Well, that's what a monarchy is, <laughs> right? Yes. I get it. That sounds good. Yeah. I'd watch that. What, what would we call it? Princesses United? Princesses United. Princess Power. Oh, Princess Power. The PP. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll workshop the title. Yeah. The PU and the PP aren't the best initialisms, <laughs> no. but... Maybe it's RU or RP, like Royal Power, Royal Unite. Royal Unite. I like it. <laughs> So, Indy, you said you had one last one. Well, now it's developing because I also want to bring in that uh, Netflix Christmas universe. Because I, what I want to see is Anne Hathaway on a horse in a full suit of armor. But with, like, the helmet off and she's, like, smudged or bloody on her face. And oh. just, like, just swinging a sword in battle. That's <laughs> what I want to see. So now I think, like, how do we get to that movie? So it's 10, 15, maybe 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Queen Mia has been ruling, but her people are not happy, possibly because many children are snatched from their homes and forced into either the uh, royal military or all of or being a uh, egg council spokesperson. So Julie Andrews is quite ill at this point. The queen mother. Is that what she'd be called? Yes. No, she'd be the dowager princess. Or the Dowager Queen. Dowager Queen. Yeah. Yeah. So the Dowager Queen is like on her deathbed and she says like, oh, you need an heir. So we have Chris Pine is still there, but I think maybe he gets killed pretty close to the beginning in a terrorist attack because the people are rising up against the Thermopolises. And then taking advantage of this civil unrest comes the Aldovian army. Oh, that is that Christmas Prince? Yes. So then he he's leading this army, and right. they're like, "Oh, the Moldovian? What's this country? Genovia." So Christmas Prince thinks these Genovians are falling apart. I'm gonna take over, and he <clears throat> leads them in, and Mia has to stop all the civil unrest and fight off this army. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "You know what? I've been trying to be this." charming sweet queen this whole time and it's getting me nowhere 
I only have one thing left to do and I'm going to fight. So she leads the army herself on a horse, full suit of armor, and she takes them into battle. And then seeing what she's willing to sacrifice, her people join behind her and they're finally united again against the tyrant king, whatever that guy is. Oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Andrew, maybe? Sure. Or the tyrant queen who's always wearing her stupid converse, even though. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know the people, but Mia does. So she takes them into battle, and I think it will end with her decapitating. Both of them at the same time? The Christmas prince and uh, killing him and uh, saving her kingdom. And she will be the warrior queen Thermopolis after that. Oh, I like that. I'd watch that movie. I would watch that movie. It's just like dead serious the yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think Anne Hathaway in a suit of armor splattered in blood. Yes. People will watch that. I know I would. It's very like Elizabeth the Golden Age. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Warrior queen. A little Joan of Arc in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And like taking back her power. Yeah. That's my pitch for a sequel. Especially since she's already like, I don't need a man to rule. Exactly. Yeah, this is the step. This is the next step or 10 steps later. But And then maybe the end of the movie is her like aged up quite a bit. And she's just sitting on a big throne with a fire behind her. And she's like drumming her fingers on the arm of the throne. And somebody comes in and is just like, Queen, the Cordovians have accepted your demands and have surrendered. And she says, excellent. <laughs> And we don't see her with any family or anything like that. She's just like taking over all of the fictitious uh, kingdoms. Nice. Queen Mia. Queen Mia. The warrior queen. All hail Queen Mia. So our second sponsor of the episode is Alberta Treasury Branch. At ATB, they make banking work for you with expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth. You can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. They have a history of doing what's right for their clients, especially when times are tough because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit ATB.com. And I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Indy, you're still feeling pretty good about your don't love but enjoyed? Yeah, it's fun. I like that they go bigger with things, so I think it is more enjoyable than the first one. And also there's less truly objectionable things mm -hmm. like there are in the first one. The first one is, like we use the word problematic a lot when talking about older movies, but it's not just because of how it aged, but just things that they don't consider. Like, yeah. why not make the friends friendly? Yeah. Things like that that get overlooked in the first one for the sake of uh, plot contrivances mm -hmm. that uh, in the second seem like addressed more properly. And I just like the people in part two a little bit more. Yeah. And it has a more of a sense of fun and silliness to it, which I think serves a movie like this well. For sure. So I do like it better. It's not going to be the greatest movie, but I mm -hmm. see the appeal of this movie for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about the second one overall? I still love it. I think it's fun, and I probably will continue to watch the first and the second movies back-to-back -back for years to come. Do you think the first is better than the second? No. I think they're too different for me to pick a favorite. What? You can still pick a favorite. No, I don't think I have a favorite. I think they are, in my brain, a package deal. You can't pick a favorite. Sorry. I think my favorite is <laughs> Princess Diaries 3, The Warrior Queen. 
okay yeah i think if that one comes out then i will be in love with that one or princess diaries three two little princesses i don't know what we'd call that other one I bitch. double trouble double trouble beautiful love it Okay, well, we will see you next week when Indy reveals what we will be watching. Um, and we go over some spoiler-free reviews of things that we are very into this week. And if you want to find us, we are on Facebook at I Love This You Should Too Dash Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. And you can email us at I Love This You Should and the number two at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. All hail Mia the Bloody. I wasn't listening.